and welcome to this week's installment of Where's My Burrito with me, Christian Torres, and my co-host, Mr. Max McCarty. Hey. Yeah, you're being getting better about the haze, man. You're so timid. You're so shy. Like, you got to come out. Well, you know, I, I, I come out forcefully with a good burp or a solid, like, fart sound, and you, <laughs> you, you know. I attack you. I shut it down come at me. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to tamp that down right now. I'm going to shut it down. So it's like, what do you want from me? I'm just going to say know, a something little, that a has hay. nothing to do with your gastrointestinal, whether it's upper or lower GI. I just feel like say hello. Uh, okay. Better. better. Yeah. Much better. Yeah. yeah. Bless you. Cause inside if you will. Okay. I'll see um, from now on. Uh, what was it? Episodes 11 and 12 when you were in Brooklyn we began the fucking Herculean task. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sisyphean task, if you will, of trying to do face off recaps five minutes at a time, <laughs> like five minutes of the film at a time. And it's a terrible idea, but you know we—I love it, and uh, it gives me a chance to keep going back to face off. I feel man. like I have PTSD at this point. Well, like, yeah, it's like I, Stockholm you know, Syndrome PTSD. Like you, uh, you fall into you uh, false sense of face off security each time. Yeah, you know, like we got away from it, and, and I felt this strange sense of peace that I couldn't really trace back to anything. And I'm realizing what that sense of peace was because it's gone now. Because we're coming back to face off, uh, yeah. But well, look, well, man. So, so for the listening audience, like, because it's been a few weeks, we wanted a refresher. So uh, we were just watching um, face off again, like the next ten minutes or whatever, just to like get as a refresher to see like where we left off or whatever. You also can't talk about face off going in cold, man. You got to have that shit fresh on the mind. Because yeah, you you do. You it's recontextualize old. it and make it normal, and none of this <laughs> fucking film is normal, man. So if you will, uh, episodes 11 and 12, we started the face-off thing, and we basically went through the idea, very quick recap, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, John Travolta, first scene, gets shot at, child murder, courtesy yeah. of uh, Caster Troy, played by Nick Cage, right? Yeah. So, so far, we need you to get the name, the child murder, uh, and the, the, fa- the, what is that, the face waterfall shit that he yeah, does? Yeah, the, the, the face wiping. Ah, uh, fuck. Anyway, so uh, smash cut. What is this? Five years, six years later. <clears throat> yeah, is that what it is? All yeah. right. So fucking five, six years later, Travolta still on the case for some reason because no one is doing any oversight in the fucking right. Like, why would you keep the man whose son just got murdered by the guy that he's investigating on the case? It's a it makes no fucking sense, right? That's Meanwhile, a conflict of interest. Nick Cage is running around the fucking L.A. Forum in a goddamn pre-suit, setting bombs, molesting fucking yeah. choir women. You know the whole just thing. The the most in, the most conspicuous. I almost said inconspicuous. The most conspicuous um, lawbreaker of all time. Yeah. I'm not even saying terrorist. Just like any man who has ever broken the law has never been as conspicuous as Nick Cage is in this movie. And does it matter now, man? Because no. in this country, you could be a white man doing some crazy shit. No one's going to say anything, man. As long as you're dressed like a priest, you got a free pass. Yeah, man. Uh, so he tries to fucking get out of the country on a plane. Meanwhile, fucking Travolta comes swooping in, commandeers a fucking helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a whole scene, and it ends with uh, Caster Troy being in a coma, as we said. That's where we left off last well, time. Well, okay, so as far as the movie knows, and as far as yeah. we know up until this point, he's uh-huh. dead. Mm. And Sean Archer, John Travolta, thinks he's dead, too. <laughs> That's true. That's an important distinction that we should make going into yeah. this, right? So, so, again, the man that he's been chasing for years... The man who murdered his five, six-year-old son, the man who has left him an emotional wreck, as far as he knows, is finally dead, has been brought to justice. He's got some fucking peace, right? So what is the next scene, Christian? Well, the next scene 
is our boy JT coming home, right? Mm-hmm. Finally, he's got a fucking victory. Walks through the house, looks like shit, by the way. I don't know yeah. why. He looks like he's been beaten down by the world when this should be his victory lap, right? Right. What does he walk into? Because he can't get a goddamn fucking moment of peace, man, okay? He just saved the world from a terrorist for hire. <laughs> but he's got to come home to this shit. And anyway, so he comes home and his his daughter and his wife are are arguing about some shit. We don't see what it is. Turn around. Daughter's got some fucking like Marilyn Manson in the early 2000s makeup on. I don't know. Yeah. Um, And the mom's like, you you can't you can't go out like that. You're something boyfriend. I don't know. Like she's arguing about some mom daughter shit. And like (laughs) instead of John Travolta being like, everybody shut up. I just killed the guy that tore our family apart. Yeah, it's he's over. like he's like, what's going on? What? Oh, another thing on my plate. Great. Yeah, and uh, you totally know. buries the lead. <laughs> I mean, like, I know that you got to watch the scene though because he walks in and it should be this glorious fucking moment. Yeah, that he's got to deal with just another fucking thing, man. Yeah, he looks like he just had a rough day at the office, like like just a bad day where he lost some files and like you know <laughs> nothing was going right and all the coffee was cold and like yeah, man, yeah, it was just a bullshit day. It was the the no good, terrible, bad day for JT at the office. No, it was a fucking victory lap that ran afoul, right? Yeah, it's home, and then after he has to deal with this shit, after he has to put out the fucking teenage fire, then he decides mm. to drop the fucking the, the bombshell, right? Like, yeah, I got him. I got him, honey. It's over. And then, you know, we reveal and there's this big tender moment and they mm. hug and they embrace and, and you're and like, then wow. He on her face. Yes. Yeah. And now this is the second time you've seen this. This is a motif. This is a family thing for some mm-hmm. reason. Still don't understand it. It's never explained in the film. Like, it's don't not. go, don't, don't go hoping for the final installment of this to finally shed some light on what that is. Never answered. Okay. <laughs> I feel like John Woo just thinks that maybe that's something Americans do. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, like he, he, he just comes in and he's like, yeah, in America, it's a display of affection. I understand your culture. I don't know. I don't know. What that he was sounds like for. his first interpreter. He was like a real <laughs> asshole to him. And he's like, oh, you want to know an American custom? Just do this. To <laughs> so he walk- was walking around the film set, just wiping everybody's faces like, I respect you. <laughs> He had the best intentions, but he's dead wrong about our customs. He needs to be learned. <laughs> God damn it, John Woo. Like, uh, I, I'm just waiting for some Me Too shit to come out about him, but it's nothing sexual. It's just like, yeah, he was walking around wiping everybody's faces. It was weird. And, like, and he just thinks it's just... Too, like, yeah. Everyone's like, Me Too, but the other one. Yeah, Me Too Woo. Me Too Woo. Hashtag Me Woo. So anyways, we're not even two minutes into this fucking thing. This is the problem with this segment. Uh, So anyways, what even happens next? Like, carry us here because I don't fucking remember. No, it's cool. So after that, we get the little bit of a celebration, and then we cut to him going back to the office, right? He walks in. And it's really weird because everyone notices him walk in, right? And and in the scene in other films or television shows, as soon as homie walks in, you get the like, well done, mission accomplished shit. Doesn't happen until he's like been in the room for eight seconds. So people are just kind of crowding around. Yeah, they're all standing up in this big office, and then all of a sudden, just one one guy has the courage to start it. Everyone comes up. They're like, "The CIA sent you a bottle of champagne," and and he looks equally as exasperated as he does in every scene that he's in so far. Well, do you think like let's break down the psychology of of, uh, JT here if we if Mm -hmm. we can? All right, like he did just get this guy. 
but he doesn't yeah. seem to feel any better about it. You know what I mean? Like right. he doesn't see like, maybe this is one of those things he's made his whole fucking life's work revenge. And now that he's gotten revenge, who is he? What does he do? Right. You what know? does he have now? <clears throat> he has his, his wife that he has, but also he's got with. the deaths of winters, like Grazielli, I think was one of the <laughs> other ones, <laughs> like five, six people yeah. died of this shootout. Right. He's got to carry them, man. He hallucinates their ghosts. Well, maybe, I don't know. It's not on screen, but I like to think that's why he's so down all the time. So he, so he's like, you know, he's like, send it back. I don't want this. Wait a minute. This is for Winton, <laughs> Grazielli, and all the people, right? And yeah. he's just making everyone feel like shit who just want to yeah. congratulate him because they know what this has meant to him over years, right. years, right? Exactly. And it's like they, they probably want to make all those deaths mean something. Like they want yeah. to celebrate the fact that, hey, now it's finally over. We killed the bastard, right? Yeah. At what cost, though? You know? At and that's, like, that's what puts the damper on it. Yeah. Uh, what he goes into there, he goes into the fucking office after he's like a snarky little bitch to everyone in his office. <laughs> Bunny Colvin comes in being like, hey, I'm Bunny Colvin, right? <laughs> like, he does say that. He does say that. It was an actual. And I was like, was that's great. weird. <laughs> Seven years before his appearance <laughs> on the wire. <laughs> this is his origin story, which, uh, if you watch the rest the of the movie, doesn't trajectory. make a lot yeah. of sense. Well, he faked his death. That's what it is at the end. <laughs> you know what I mean? Spoiler alert. But he, he faked his death to become an embattled major in Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> who uh fucking loses his job in disgrace yeah, yeah worth it worth the <laughs> sacrifice there but he called it comes in and he's like uh what, what do you say tactical like some fucking big wig this government assholes he's fucking these spooks mm-hmm. if you will not in the racist way but in the governmental way bro uh, <laughs> uh they come in and they're like uh you know we need to have a talk and blah, 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 right? Because yeah. uh, she comes in with a goddamn floppy disk, and she hands this floppy disk as if it's a goddamn baton, you know? <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah. To be clear, like, CCH Pounder comes in, because, like, Sean Archer, he thinks everything is good. He's, you know, like, the case is done. And ne- never mind the fact that before he died, Caster Troy, Nicolas Cage, said to him, um, I'm going to deliver the biblical plague that hell a deserves he didn't take that as any kind of warning that maybe something was going to happen or maybe yeah. he should follow up on that. No. no, it's all done. I'm putting Let's close the book on it, guys. He's not a detective, You're- man. He's a doer. He doesn't have to think about what that means. He just has <laughs> yeah, to this is this is the same man that commandeered a helicopter and landed <laughs> it on a plane. Um, <laughs> he's, a, he's a loose cannon. You can't expect him to think, too. A thinking loose cannon? Da- most right. dangerous man in the world, dude. So CCH Pounder comes uh-huh. in with a floppy disk, and she's like, uh, nah, Sean Archer. Mm-hmm. Uh, put this in your computer <laughs> and what is it? it's like a little fucking virus that's just like it's a it's like an animated broad who's looking all you know like yeah. dick wanting i don't know another way to say it but she's dick wanting and she's like i will blow you then becomes a skeleton right and away. It's like, away yeah dude so now you're like oh shit what's up and then we got schematics of a goddamn bomb that somehow Nick Cage just knows. Mm-hmm. Like, knows, like, oh, that's a porcelain fucking grinds. You're like, what the fuck, dude? How do you know that? Like, this is schematics. You can't see this shit. And again, like, his reaction throughout most of the scene is the same as when he saw his daughter wearing stupid makeup. <laughs> yeah, or there's no difference between when he walked a, a into threat the of office. security. He's just constantly, like, life. putting his head in one hand and sighing. Like in every scene, that's his reaction to every fucking thing. So he he realizes now there's a fucking like Listen, chemical bomb. 
he stays cool in every situation, right? His blood never gets rattled. His hand never shakes. I mean, that's not supported by anything that happens in the film. No, but in this not. moment, I'm going to use it as the defense. <laughs> so anyway, now we're, we're sitting in a situation where homie has is, is got a goddamn bomb planted somewhere. He knows it's somewhere, but they need to find the location of the bomb. So he's yeah. like, give me the, the Troy's brother, which I forget his name. Do you remember his, his brother's Alex. name? Alex. Troy? Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, so Pollux Troy is now like in the fucking box as it's called, right? The negotiating mm-hmm. box. They're trying to get some information out of him. He's like, I won't speak until I see my brother again. I guess he's unaware, right? He doesn't know because they got split up, right? Right. He gets arrested at like near the plane and then uh, yeah. Cage goes on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so again, like as far as we know, the audience, right? Fucking Nick Cage is dead. You know, that's like a big yeah. deal. You got fucking. Yeah, and, yeah, and you're wondering as the audience member, like maybe I've been duped, you know, maybe <laughs> they're not going to take their faces off after all. Uh, yeah, what if you wanted to go see that movie at 97? Like, this is it, the two biggest stars. I'm ready for it. He dies in the first fucking 15 minutes, not in the film again. They're like, they never even switch faces. The fuck and like, like, they're like, oh, we're at the 30 minute mark. They haven't set up the premise yet, honey. Let's leave. It's not happening. It's if it not- hasn't happened in now. It's not going to happen. I know the um, rules of screenwriting. <laughs> well, they had to set up so many checkoff guns for later payoff. Like, we were talking mm-hmm. shit about some of this the first time we watched it, only yeah. to be rewarded later on by the mm-hmm. fact that something did come back. That's true. But so, you know, now Travolta's like, fuck, what are we going to do? I don't know how to do it. And CCH Founder's like, there might be another way. Smash cut. We're at some fucking futuristic lab or some shit. And then homie Loomis, who is one of Travolta's, uh, you know, like teammates of the FBI, teammates, coworkers, colleagues, I don't know, got his ear shot off, right? So they're doing like this. This is like some time travel shit, man. John Woo's predicting 3D printers, man, because they're rebuilding this dude in here. Okay, so I, I don't want to um, interrupt you here, but did yes. we skip over a scene where John Travolta's boss comes in and basically tells him, don't invest yes. in Oh, my God. I fucked up so bad. Let's rewind before we go to futuristic lab, futuristic lab. So, yeah, right before this, right, the brother will not fucking confess to anything, yeah. and he won't give him any information. And they're like, fuck, what are we going to do? Boss comes fucking sauntering in, right? Yeah. What does he even fucking say? Like, again, despite the fact that there is hard evidence on an actual fucking floppy disk, yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. He's like, you want to continue investigating this on a hunch? And John Travolta, instead of being like, a hunch, you fucking idiot, I have a floppy disk. It says that there is a bomb. It has schematics for it, and it's somewhere in L.A. Also, before he died, Caster Troy said that I'm going to deliver a plague that L.A. deserves. Maybe we should follow up on this. Maybe this is more than a hunch. Maybe you shouldn't Again, have a He's not a thinker, man. He is a doer. He instead does not of doing that, he's like, God, whatever, bursts into another room, and CCH Pounder's like, Perhaps there's another way. Boom. Now we're in the fucking futuristic yeah. lab, man. We got 3D printer ears and shit like that. And this is the big reveal where he walks in and we see a, an unconscious uh, Castor Troy. He mm-hmm. is not dead. And again, much like his fucking home life or yeah. threats of national security, he's just mildly inconvenienced. Like, yeah, oh. he just puts his hand in his, you know, on his face again and sighs the same way he does with everything. And to prove that she's, you know, that he's in a coma, CCH Pounder's like, oh, don't worry. Sean Archer, he's dead asleep. Puts out a cigarette on his arm. That's not in the Geneva Convention. I'm pretty sure you can't be fucking dropping ciggies on I mean, people's skin. 
like again, like who gave CCH Pounder the uh, the uh, the goddamn authority? <laughs> yeah, the authorization to um, abscond with the unconscious body okay. of a terrorist for hire, right? And uh, deliver him to a weird right. Genetic- That's true because this this is above the FBI, right? Because yeah. he's already a part of the FBI, so yeah. some other shadow part of the government is over here. Like, yeah, she she's like it's black hat operations. <laughs> You can't and, tell your wife and you can't tell your boss, right? Is that what she said? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Christ, dude. But but she can tell Bunny Colvin, who's just hanging out for some yeah, reason. Like, like who, he comes along on the ride. Work for, who does Bunny Colvin work for? <laughs> so many questions, none of which are answered, there right? Is like all no we know is the point. All we know is that Castor Troy is alive, and then the pitch is this, all right? Finally, and we are 35 minutes into this film by now, okay? I have to imagine. Finally, the fucking premise of the film is introduced. Which is like, you know what we could do is we could swap your faces, bro. You could actually take his face off, put your face on, and we'll make you skinny because you're a fat piece of shit, which they remind Travolta throughout the entire film. Multiple times. Like, you're fat as fuck. (laughs) How do you think he put that blade on the fucking set back when? (laughs) He kept seeing that in the script, and he was just like, well, you know, it's part of the script, but they really... really I'm sure that there was some cognitive dissonance going on there for Travolta. He has to protect his ego. He's like, oh, I'm not actually fatter than him. That's just the character. (laughs) (laughs) I'm supposed to be fatter than him. The character calls for it um yeah dude so anyway this is the premise with up. the weight of his son's death for years so he's got to be a little fat um he eats know. his feelings he's, he's <laughs> <laughs> some people smoke some people drink he eats his feelings all right what are you gonna do i just want to watch a movie where john travolta is being depressed and sitting around in his house just eating bowl after bowl of ice cream and watching TV. <laughs> fucking and eating Oreos and fucking yeah, peanut butter out of the goddamn Crying, and Joan Allen occasionally comes in, and it's like, honey, you want to have a date night or something? And yeah. he's just, like, sobbing too much. He's like, I'll take a case, or I'll take a break when the case breaks. Yeah, <laughs> the case never breaks, and when it does, they still don't take breaks. It's a vicious cycle, man. The only thing broken is him. Yeah, um, well... <laughs> I mean, not just him. There's a lot of broken parts of this fucking story, but, you know, that's fine. Uh, Speaking of which, the premise is now introduced, Max. (laughs) Sorry. Okay? No, it's fine. No, I just feel like we got to stay on point because we don't even, like, the the great thing about this is the film does show some restraint. Archer says no. He's like, no, I'm not going to fucking do this shit. This is crazy. This is nonsense, okay? Yeah. So he fucking goes. Yeah, because why would he switch faces? Well, why would anyone, you know? And also, why is this technology not wild, widely available to people all over the world? Right. You know what I mean? Printing ears and stuff. It's yeah. Face swapping technology. No. The gener- the masses don't need that, man. Too and much if responsibility. They, if they can build an ear from scratch, why don't they just build a face instead of surgically removing it from someone else's too body. hard it's too hard man because then they can't ha- they can't fucking put the poster with the both of them on there man <laughs> that's the truth okay if you do that it's like oh you just built a mask what the fuck man we already got masks that's not futuristic nothing else about this movie is sci-fi except for this premise by the way like well, that feels- yeah go ahead the prison Oh, the prison. Yeah. Oh, my God. I forgot the prison because we're not even there yet. Okay. Yeah. We end on this uh, particular note with Sean being, Sean uh, Archer being like, no, I'm not doing it. I'll just go fucking interrogate some motherfuckers and I'll get answers the old fashioned way. Right. Mm -hmm. Goes, talks to what? Gina Gershon, who for some reason is in this movie. Yeah. Some bald dude who plays her brother, even though they make out in the movie. It's weird. 
I, I have a question. How, yeah. how many minutes have we been talking about face-off? For this? Uh, I mean, I have no clue. I mean, probably 20. I mean, we're, we're wrapping it up right now, though. It's okay. <laughs> you know, it's fine. I'm just making the point that fucking he's interrogating everybody, can't get any answers, takes out a fucking gun on someone at some point, which, again, no one's doing a goddamn thing about that, right? Like, yeah, I realize that this is like an Al-Qaeda situation where you have carte blanche on the whole, you know, torturing yeah. people, but not he's in the just, States, yeah. bro. He's just clearly emotionally unhinged. So we've established multiple times over that he is not emotionally equipped to handle his current job, much <laughs> less the job of going undercover, wearing the face of the man who killed his five. Why couldn't you get anyone else? Yeah, you're right. It's just like, that is like, you're too close, man. You're just too close to the situation. Yeah. You need to go take a seat. You need to go yeah. on the bench for a little bit. But CCH Pounder and all her wisdom is like, hey, yeah. let's do this thing that only I and Bunny Colvin know about. Well, I don't understand why. Well, yeah, we'll get to that when we get to it, I guess. Right. That's the whole point. I get so many fucking problems with this movie, dude. Yes. Uh, all right. So the point is he finally gets a date, but he gets nothing else. Right. And they know something's going to go down, but they don't know how. And this is the moment where uh, Travolta, Sean Archer is uh, reluctant, but he agrees to go and have his fucking face swapped off with Castor Troy, an unconscious uh, Castor Troy, who is unknowing. He does not consent to this, by the way. It's fucked up. Not. Yeah, he also didn't consent to having a cigarette put out on him, but, you know, <laughs> just having a rough day, Castor Troy. <laughs> oh, great. All right, so look, we, you know, we're still barely into this fucking movie. Like, when we did it, you maybe look at it, and it's like, we still this have it. a two-hour and, like, 20-minute-long movie. We're barely 35 minutes. Yeah, we're, we're, we have an hour and 49 minutes left of this goddamn masterpiece. talking about 10... 10- minutes of footage or something well i feel really good about it i don't know about you oh no, yeah i mean i feel good but also like i feel like every time i talk about this movie i just like get stressed out and mad. yeah it's bad for you you get like high blood pressure and shit like yeah i'm good. turning into sean archer talking about sean oh archer. god man hashtag me woo you know so uh <laughs> so this is episode i mean technically 16 maybe 17 i don't know i've lost Who's track of these say? fucking things but we've done like 30 at this we point. have well you shouldn't say that because then it sounds like we have a 50 50 success rate because we're technically at 15 right is that the real yeah, truth of it all so that's it's- a pretty that's a pretty good average i think Oh, Christ. If you failed 50% of the time, if you were a surgeon, Max, and you failed 50% of well, the time. It, it's it's literally a glass half full type situation, and you're looking at it glass half yeah, empty, but I'm, I'm saying that it, the glass is still half full. You still got half a glass full of something. Who came up with that? That saying? Some, some fucking idiot. Because like, it's like the, a glass is half full if you pour it halfway. Yeah. It's half empty if it was once full and then you drink it halfway yeah. this is not fucking this it's is not, not rocket science yeah it's not fucking uh calculus guy it's not that hard you know i was gonna attribute it to shakespeare because what i realized over the i want to can i bitch about shakespeare for a second yeah, how he's not real well maybe i've been per, like i've been perpetuating that goddamn conspiracy theory like that's my kennedy assassination is that yeah. like sir francis bacon <laughs> like i'm just right. calling out anyone who could be shakespeare but let's say he was a real dude this motherfucker has been given more uh, attributions, right? More like, oh, Shakespeare said that than any other motherfucker in the world. And guess what? He didn't say like any of it, all right? Like just yesterday I was talking about, who's the person who said uh, it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved before? And then some fucking showed, it was like, Shakespeare, bro. And I'm like, was it Shakespeare though? But was it? Because I was unsure, but I just so know. Some, some showed in the room was just like, Shakespeare, bro, Don't even know who he was. He was just across the room, overheard me, fucking. He had like one of those spy ear glasses, like, let me just jump in, bro. Shakespeare. Truth, no. Tennyson. Yeah, 
Tennyson, oh. man. Oh, that wasn't Men in Black? No, it was no. not Men in Black, sadly. It wasn't TLJ, although he said it like it it was him, you know, which was... Yeah, he owns that quote to, to me. He owns everything he does, man. That's the first time I ever heard that quote. So, as far as really? I know, that's 1997 blockbuster, was, Men in Black? I was seven years old, so I don't know how much classical literature well, no, no, no. I was stumbling uh, upon. Sure, but it was like in Looney Tunes and fucking cultural osmosis and shit, right? Like, but think about, keep, think about this. How many Godfather references had you seen by the time you saw the Godfather and were and was able to understand it? You know what I mean? Well, here's where it gets tricky because I saw the Godfather at a very young age. Ah. So I, I don't know. Pro- okay. Probably a few, but okay. I, I saw it by the time I was seven. Okay. Well, see, that, that puts a little hole in my... I mean, I'm sure I'd seen the Godfather, but I don't think I had seen the Godfather, right? Like, I, I had mm. seen it, but I never saw it, if that makes yeah. sense. And, um, but it's one of those things where like little things, right? Like, Oh, look how they murdered my boy. Right. Or, or we're going to the mattresses or Or uh, leave the gun, gun, bring the cannoli. Exactly. Which is, you've seen in different things for a billion times, but if you hadn't seen the original, you're like, Oh, cultural osmosis got us there. I was assuming Tennyson got you there. No, yeah, my mom loves that movie so much because she's like fifty percent Italian, so she'll watch anything with Italians in it and just (laughs) just claim. What's her other fifty percent? Uh, like Polish Hungarian, and is she just going around watching like uh, Polish Hungarian? No, <laughs> nothing. Like nothing. no interest. She has whatsoever. no affinity for like, It doesn't matter how like reprehensibly violent the Italians are on screen. She's yeah. like, oh, a cooking scene. They're all together like a family. It's family. Yes. Well, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, like when I think about The Godfather, right before I had mm-hmm. rewatched it, I know I had seen it a bunch as a kid. But the only thing I remembered was the wedding. Was the first fucking thirty minutes of that movie because right. it is literally thirty minutes long. Yeah. Where it's just like, and may your child be a masculine child. <laughs> you know. People on this coming. day of your daughter's wedding day. <laughs> Thank That's you. my favorite quote is when he's like talking to himself and practicing it and still fucking it up. Well, I like about that because it's like, you know, that's one of those behind the scene things where it's like Coppola didn't write it that way. Just the yeah. dude was really nervous to go talk to Marlon Brando because rightfully so. Brando was a wild card back right. in the day. You had right. to get your shit together. But um, that's my point. All I remember was the first 30 minutes and all I remembered was the dancing and the family yeah. and the, all that shit. And it was something that always resonated with my mom too. Cause my mom has this thing where she's like Greeks, Italians, Jewish, Puerto Rican, we're all the same. It's just mm-hmm. large families constantly making each like other a, miserable. <laughs> like a large table where everybody sits at and argues over yeah. a lot of carbs. And we say that it's love, but really it's just, we hate each other and we're like codependent. We, it's just really, we have nowhere else to go. <laughs> God damn. nowhere else to go <laughs> <laughs> you ever notice how uh, not to get too off topic here but you yeah. ever notice how in gangster movies there's like a mandatory scene per movie um where like some older italian is teaching a younger italian how to cook and he's always like first you put in the the fucking tomato paste then a little bit of garlic then a mm. little bit of gabagool <laughs> then a little bit of olive oil you stir it up it's gonna be good yeah he, there's always at least one scene where do they pick up? Where do they have the time to learn this while they're off boosting? Because like, here's the thing: you don't just make it Prison. to the top. <laughs> well, no, hold on, because like, doesn't Tony Soprano know how to cook? He never went to prison, right? Um, the from the moms, you know, the the moms in the kitchen cooking the big Italian meal. Yeah, but when did he have the time? He was and, out boosting fucking VCRs and, and shit back in the know, day. You know, when he's not boosting VCRs, he's helping with the tomato paste and the gabagool. Okay, so it's it's in there. It's like uh, you know how like in, in Italians in are very good at time management. That's what you don't understand. <laughs> 
So uh, they learned how to cook for the opposite reason that I don't learn how to speak Polish. Just not enough hours in the day, basically. Not, They're like, not enough hours. Too many hours. What am I going to do with all these hours? <laughs> I guess we'll learn about Gabagool. Like, you know, it's all right at passage. But yeah, so my point is that, you know, mm. the Italians are a very large family thing. And that's always what I associated the, the fucking Godfather with. But my point is this, that your mom will, you know, like a lot of Italians hated the Godfather when it came out because they said that it, it represented like them portrayal, yeah. like the worst, uh, you know, section of Italians, you know. Yeah, but that's something that kept going. I mean, even when The Sopranos was on, they constantly kind of talked about what it meant to be Italian American as a pool as opposed to Italian, you know, like little things too, man. I mean, I don't want to go too much on the on the Sopranos of it all, but like the fact that there's never a vowel in any of the shit that they say, like mm. mozzarella. Gabagool, yeah. like it's it's like it's it's this disconnect you know between yeah. the the motherland so to Which speak that, that bothers me so much we've talked about this before whenever i watch that show and they're like get, get the mozzarella yeah it's like, say just say the ah It'll yeah take you literally it doesn't not even take that much longer. more time it's like when someone changes lanes without putting the little blankie on it's like bro yeah. it's an inch away from it's, your finger like yeah on. it's like i know i wasn't in any in any danger there but it's like just put in the extra effort. Just it takes, yeah, it takes yeah. no, it costs nothing to, to put in effort except effort, I guess. I guess that's the price of being. Yeah, a, for, for the longest time, I, when I was younger, I thought that there were like, you know, sub variants of mozzarella, like one mm-hmm. called mozzarella. And you had to go to the store and be like, I see mozzarella, but where's the mozzarella? Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, what are you, an idiot? Yeah. From New Jersey like, yeah, or something? Yeah, I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> but my point is this, like, so your mom never fell into the, uh, into the, this is a, bad stereotype a bad portrait of her people she always loved it well i mean a lot of her family was probably in the mafia or had mafia ties so like no like it's when did like, what yeah. max i've known you for like 20 years why has this not come up we've like, talked about this before haven't we talked about this on the podcast oh you had before? one uncle right don't you have like a weird uncle or something wait i don't think so man so, this might be a you and me story okay so if i'm remembering right my mother's grandfather uh-huh. um th- this is a true story apparently uh, when my mother's mom, my grandma, was in elementary school, I think she got like a bad grade on her report card. Mm-hmm. And she went crying to her parents about it because the teacher was being unfair to her. So the next day, the grandfather goes into the school and drags the principal out of his office and beats the shit out of him in the middle of the elementary school hallways. And uh, from then on, his daughter never so got fucked with. fucking metal, dude. Can I tell you that my favorite part of The Godfather? It's a throwaway scene. It's not even the scene that you think it is. It's in the beginning. And it's with Diane Keaton being like, who's that guy talking about Luca Brazzi, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, what's his name? The, the, the Frank Sinatra guy, but he's not Frank Sinatra. I forget his name in the movie. Uh, his name's man. Johnny. Johnny something. Yeah, J- Johnny Fontaine. Johnny Fontaine, okay. Yeah. So Johnny Fontaine shows up, and then Michael goes into that story where he's just like, uh, my, my, you know, my father went over there and offered him a contract, and he said no. The next day, my father went back there, and he got him released from his contract. And he's like, well, how did he do that? And he's like, well, he put a gun to his head and basically informed him that if he didn't do it, that he, he was going to murder him, right? Yeah. And he gets yeah. a signature. But my favorite part of that story is just like, and then he still paid him like $5,000. Like, as a fuck you, that's what's up, dude. Like, I want to get to that level where like, I can offer you 10 grand to make something easy. Then I can break one of your fingers and then give you five grand to say, fuck you. <laughs> it's like, it's like when Sonny breaks the fucking camera in the beginning of the movie yeah. and then like shells and out like, a couple hundred. Throws like, some cash on the grounds. Oh, yeah. God, that's all I want to do my whole life. I just want to have the kind of fuck you money to just break shit indiscriminately. And then right? be like, hey, you go, fuck you. I mean, that that's the American dream right there. They were living it. 
Yeah. What happened um, to this country? At what cost? That you can't beat up principals in hallways with no repercussions whatsoever. Or like just steal cars and then purport um, it as your proper car. You know? Other exhibit B submitted into evidence that my family has mafia ties. Because that's yeah. not really technically a mafia tie, right? That's just a violent yeah. grandpa. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. got to investigate this further. Uh, you know, um, in Goodfellas, when uh-huh. they pull off the airplane heist, and then yes. all those guys end up getting whacked, and they show it on the news? Yes. Okay, so all of those guys that got whacked, my great-grandmother had had in her dining room over for dinner, and was apparently watching the news, like watching these reports come in, and just sobbing while she was cooking. Okay, fuck, dude, you're connected. What we need to do is go to like Sardinia or fucking Sicily. I don't know where your family comes from, but we gotta. I mean, yeah, you, I there's got to be some connection still. You figure there my, has. To be. Yeah, I mean, definitely, like for sure. Like I could probably go in there. They'd be like, "Hey, you look like family. Come here." What was your mother's maiden name? Uh, Lutak. That's not very. That's the. That's that Polish shit. That's, <laughs> that's the Polish shit. <laughs> no, um, you can't ta- go in there like I'm McCarty, and you're like McCarty's not fucking. What's your mother's name? Like Lutek. Like God damn it, man. So Vitali. Yeah, but okay, Vitali's pretty fucking Italian, man. It means life, right? Vital, right? Vitality. I don't know Italian. Bitch, learn Italian. You're Italian. Why do I know more Italian than you, man? Because you've been to Italia. Yeah. It's not a good excuse. <laughs> it's not a good excuse, but I guess so. I know how to say where's the men's bathroom. That's all I need to know. Um, yeah, I guess so, right? Like, if you were your character who's constantly about to shit his pants, like, you got mm-hmm. the one thing you need to learn. Yeah. Um, I'll just point to the menu, order a ridiculous amount of food, and say, you know, where's the bathroom? And they'll be fine. <laughs> and they'll know. <laughs> they'll be like, he's got big plans. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Uh, big so plans listen. to not shit his pants in Italy. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, dude. Listen, I wanted to say something. So, um, unrelated. I'm in Philly right now. I'm in my house. Philly. And what's weird about this was I was not supposed to be in Philly today. Um, this is basically a tale of shitty landlords, and I'm not going to go back into it again. But let's just say because I have a shitty landlord, uh, my move was was moved up. Right? It was accelerated a little bit. So now I'm here. I mean, it's the cool thing. I got an empty house. I'm glad that I'm here. But it was a weird thing, man, because I woke up today not knowing that this was sort of my last day in Brooklyn. No, it's not. You know, when you come up here, we're going to get a place in Brooklyn and I'm going back like Thursday. So it's not like I'm done. But I woke up and it was the last time that me and Dolores will be in Brooklyn together. And that was a weird thing for me, man. Like uh, all my records are in the house. All my comics are in this house, right? Like my entire life has slowly moved over to this place. And um, it's the weirdest fucking feeling in the world, man. Does it does it feel real to you yet? Like, this it, is where I live now? Yeah, well, see, what happened was, is like, for whatever reason, when I drove over here today, usually I, I, it takes me through Bay Ridge to Staten Island, and then I get on the Jersey Turnpike from there. For whatever reason, man, the traffic was really, really bad. So it was like, hey, Christian, go through Manhattan. But I didn't realize it until I was already close to the Manhattan Bridge, and I was like, oh, fuck, there's no turning around now. Guess I'm just going to go through the bridge. So I go through the Manhattan Bridge so I can get to the Lincoln Tunnel and then the Lincoln Tunnel to Jersey City. 
And as I'm crossing over, like, it's just this new angle of the city that I've looked at a billion times, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But suddenly I got the Brooklyn Bridge and they just put lights on top of it. So it's even more beautiful right now. And you got the fucking financial district to your left. I look to my right and the Hudson River's flanked out by the goddamn Empire State Building. And I'm sitting here being like, oh, fuck you. Like, the city knows. And it's trying to be like, <laughs> are you sure you want you, this? Are you sure you want to leave this? This was like when you try to delete your Facebook and Facebook <laughs> has the audacity to be like, are you sure? And show are your friends like right. nick's gonna miss you max is well, yeah you. Like, look, look at all these memories you've created oh man that's what it was yeah. it was like world trade center brooklyn bridge like showing me all this stuff and it was it was and, and for you to feel nostalgic for manhattan of all things oh you like, know yeah dude and that was my thing i was like really like yeah it's a piece of shit but it's my piece of shit <laughs> like that's how i felt about it i was very emotional about I felt like it was it was playing me out. You know what I mean? Like, play me out, play me off, and I'm walking out, and I'm oh. closing, I'm putting the towel over my fucking shoulder, and I'm turning the lights off to the bar. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, it was a whole thing. <laughs> it was a whole thing. You know? Uh, That'd be great if you just like flipped a switch and, and all, all of the city lights just black out. <laughs> There's fucking like all the AM channels. They're using emergency frequencies. Just like what happened? Christian left. Riots. Just fucking city tears itself apart. Stay three without Christian, and, and, and the masses are asking, when will he return? <laughs> He's never coming back. This is a new life. More people. We talked about more people. Um, oh, now you got to stay in, in Philly for the rest of your life. You know I, that, right? You I cannot be responsible for the destruction of two cities. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh my God, dude, that'd be that's the thing though. So I had this real, uh, you know, emotional response to it. And again, it's like I'm not done with it, and I'm going back in two days. And when you move up, I'll, you know, we'll have a place there together. And it's like there's a bunch of things about it, but in a way, it was still like a chapter that it closed. Like I moved to New York to make art. You know, like to be someone who stopped talking about doing and actually start doing. And uh, like I did, you know, I came up and I made a comic and like issue two is in production now. And I've wrote some shit. You and I are writing some shit and Mm -hmm. we have all these things. And it's great because like New York really is that place where people go to either sink or swim. You know, it's just what it is. And uh, I can honestly say that I was really worried about leaving it because I was like, but what if I can't do this anymore? And I'm like, nah. Like once you get like I went there and the city's part of me now, right? Like I made the thing. That means mm-hmm. I can do it. It doesn't matter where I'm at now. It's just yeah. about doing it. It's and, it's like an annihilation when uh, Natalie Portman gets out of the shimmer, but she still got the shimmer in her eyes. Yeah, dude. There you go. Yeah, I got the fucking shimmer in my eyes, man. But you know, <laughs> no mutation. Just uh, just the confidence that like I did it once and I feel better and more confident about myself and uh, I can do it again. And that's the thing. I mean, I have the script right here. Like I said, I was kind of working on it, and it's like. Yeah, this is the best thing I've ever written, and I'm positive. And that doesn't happen without New York, you know? So yeah. I was obviously very fucking in love with it and very thankful, and I was reflective, and it, it was all that jazz. Um, unrelated, but sort of related to the comic. Today, I, I talked to uh, a dude who works for a magazine called Dagger, which is this... Uh, it's a comic showcase magazine, but they just got an interview with John Carpenter, and they got, like... They're, like, sort of big. And uh, I talked to the the CEO of it, and he was like, "Hey, man, can we feature your comic in in our magazine? I mean, we have like a pretty big circulation, and we want to get out DIY shit." And the guy just basically like read my comic and was like, "Yeah, I really wanted to praise you on this because one, like, it looks great. Hmm. Um, two, comics, especially independent comics, like, there's this real groundswell about it right now. But it is very much a field of dream situation where, like, if you build it, they will come. You know, like." 
just going out there and being like, Hey, I need some money to make a comic is not going to do it. Like people are just oversaturated with that. The difference that I did was I had fully funded my comic on my own and just asked people to pre-order it, you know? So it was like, I needed them to print it, but I didn't need them to make it. And the idea that I made that first one and I've already funded the second one is just like, that is half the battle, man. Uh, just making something and also something like a comic, which is a visual medium. Basically I have a storyboard. So if I ever like, you know, get into the right room, the right situation, like, Hey, this is an episode, just take this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it was just a really uh, great feeling because I put out that comic in December and have been waiting on doing the second issue and have, you know, talked to a couple people here and there. And it's been like a, an encouraging thing, but this was one of the first times where I'm like, wait, like a hundred thousand people are going to see this fucking magazine. And like, you know, it was a, it was a really fucking encouraging moment for me. Um, and I don't know, man, I'm all emotional about it. It's been a rough, it's been an emotional day, man. <laughs> like I left, <laughs> I left this place. I got fucking yeah. uh, acclaim for my comic and, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's had a lot of ups and a lot of downs, you know, but I'm glad you got to, uh, you know, get in there with, uh, this editor guy that, or CEO, is yeah, he's a CEO and editor. Or, yeah, he's the editor oh, in chief. Yeah, but he also owns the company because they have. He, a, he approached you. He yeah. was like, "Hey, I yeah. saw this somewhere." Well, it's weird. His wife is the lady who I know who is in Westworld, who plays. Um, uh, so I met this guy. No, did you? Oh, yeah, he was there briefly, right? Because yeah, I said, "Hey," on his laptop, like, "Hey." That guy, yeah. Him, that guy. Totally. Now, yeah. listen. What's weird is I've I've known him for a while, but we have never talked shop ever. Hmm. But me and his, me and his wife. Have. By, by the way, how do you think his wife feels about being recast in that show? I don't know, man. I got to ask I her. I don't know if you saw this latest episode. I didn't. Well, that's my problem. My internet went out. So I, because of my stupid, shitty fucking landlord, who I hope for some reason listens to this, so I can just really shit on her, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, so no, I didn't see it, sadly. But oh. um, I mean, I'll check it out because I didn't realize she got recast. I asked her. Well, if it's, it's, it it's the older version of the character. And I was uh. like, just put some old lady makeup on her. I kind of know her through the guy that I met that one time. <laughs> so my point is like, I, I know her and she knew that I was doing the comic and she knew it was a Western because we talked about Westworld and how much I really liked it and this, this and that. So um, we had been in each other's radar for a while, but he was like, legit, I didn't know you even made a comic. Like he was really like, he hit me up out of the blue. Cause he's like, I just heard this. And so it was like one of those like fortuitous moments, but yeah. that's what I was saying. Like just in my compound, right. We have yeah. DJ scratch. who's run DMC's fucking DJ. <laughs> no, this is like DJ scratch, DJ scratch, scratch vision. <laughs> he appreciates the <laughs> shout out. Um, then we got like this guy named Mo Betta, who is a uh, famous trumpeter. Right, yeah. he's a really, really good trumpeter. Yeah, and he told me he practices sometimes into the late hours. Very night. late, but he's you know you gotta practice, man. Like practice makes per- what's the Gladwell yeah. ten thousand hours? Like yeah, he's, he's put in those Gladwell hours. Gladwell after that midnight. Up. Why do you think he that? I that I think that you shouldn't harp on the actual ten thousand hours. I think what he's saying is that any repeated action in which you were putting that much time of yourself into it, you'll it's either perfect for mastering something or brainwashing yourself. Uh, who who's an example of someone who's done something for 10,000 hours, but they have not gotten better. Like, do you have an um, example of this? I feel like I'm a good example of putting in a couple hundred hours into games like overwatch and getting worse. So I don't know if that counts. Cause I think of Gladwell all the time while I'm playing that game and I'm just dying still. You're just to like people who are new at the game. And I put in like 200 hours and I'm like, still like just getting fucking shot done dead. Ugh, and I'm like, wow. fuck. Yeah. I know where all the health packs are and it doesn't help me. 
I've never played Overwatch, man. Like, that's the that's the Blizzard game, right? It's like it's an a, FPS for Blizzard. It's the most like addictive, fun, cancerous, horrible, amazing thing <laughs> I've ever played in my life. Fun cancer. I hate yeah. it, and I can't bring myself to install it because I'm literally like an addict. Like it's just so easy to jump into it and then just rage quit out of you know. <laughs> you're a rage quitter is that like something that you uh you're proud of you're like i rage quit what i try not to be why would you ever be proud of that you know like you don't you don't go into a game with the mindset that you know what i'm gonna rage quit today but it's just sometimes it just it's like you just walk out of a door you get sniped you walk out of the same door again you get sniped and it's just like how many times is this what does that happen? say about people like uh, like i i don't know i have memories of playing like mario and shit or like the last level of zelda as a kid and just mm. like throwing my controller and my mom's like it's supposed to be fun like what the <laughs> fuck are you doing and i'm like fuck you this was a very oh. dysfunctional childhood see that that's the thing about games man is that like the majority of them to me feel like having a second job that you don't get paid for you know? There's no gratification uh, in like, it. I, I, I just, because I have no impulse control, I just bought the new Jurassic World game, which is a uh, park building simulator. Yeah, I heard it's cool. Yeah. And it is cool, but like you're playing it and you get a few hours into it and you realize this is literally a job yeah. that you are not getting paid for. You've got people yelling at you about your budget. You've got people yellowing, ye- yelling at you about your power consumption. Yelling's one thing, but yellowing, yeah. God damn it! you know? I, I draw a line at yellowing. <laughs> Code uh, yellow, you know, like you've got all these virtual people yelling at you, then you got people in real life yelling at you, and it's mm-hmm. like, I, I need a break. I need something fun. Is there a twist at the end of that where you build the park, and then all of a sudden the alarms go off, and it's an FPS game uh, where you have to fight your way out of the park? Well, ideally, what I want to do is like build up a beautiful functioning park with like mm-hmm. all these attractions. It's super successful, and at the height of my success, I want to release every single dinosaur. <laughs> I want to tear down every perimeter fence and just watch it all just cannibalize itself. This is this should be the actual purge. Which, by the way, there's a fourth purge movie coming out, which I saw the preview for when I saw Hereditary. Which I was like, must we do a fourth one? You know, another prequel. But we must. um, But my point is, like, that's what they should do. We keep talking about the purge. We've probably talked about the purge franchise more than any other film series on this podcast. If you think about it. I mean, in David terms Lynch, of mentions, yeah. <laughs> well, because the purge is such a good idea, Max. I mean, the idea behind it is wonderful. These NASCAR people are getting out of hands, and a purge would do well for us, you know. Mm. Um, but what if you got purged and the NASCAR people were fine because they all have guns? I didn't even think about that. Oh man, this is the thing. But you know, we did talk about this a little bit when like the nukes go off, right? Or global warming happens, and and there's there's only the red states, the land of the bubbas. They've been waiting their whole lives for a moment like this, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like so few people get an opportunity to have destiny, give them a call, and all I have to do is answer the goddamn phone. But these fuckers have been waiting, you know? Yeah, they, they have their bunkers prepped and ready. They have their gas masks. You know, since 9-11, they've been just buying up zombie survival kits and shit. <laughs> since 9-11. Since They're 9/11. like, that was it. Nostradamus was right. He said Hilter and he said uh, twins would fall. And he's right. Man, these fucking people, dude. I don't know. Um, I think it's an excuse. Like, they just want to have some zombie shit ready, and they're blaming it on the impending apocalypse. But really, they just want to... It's like a dick-measuring contest with whose bunker is bigger. Well, they, they, they want, Yeah, they want the apocalypse to happen. Let, let's make no mistakes. But what happens when that happens? Like, I mean, that's my point. Like, I have to think that these people... They, they, they are released from the moral obligation not to shoot people. 
Well, right, which is all that, that they're waiting for. It's just for yeah. it not to be illegal, you know? Mm-hmm. Once I got into an argument with this fucking chode, it was very, <laughs> very bad at math and shit. I mean, I'm bringing this up because he's like a, he was a redneck. We're back on chodecast. Yeah, well, once I had to educate him about how percentages worked, and he's like, actually, white people get shot more than black people. White lives matter. And I'm like, oh, man. Okay, well, here's the problem. If, like, 30% of all shootings are black people, but black people only make up 10% of the population, do you understand how inordinately high that has to be? I'm just breaking down percentages to him. And he's just like, you know what? I can't, yeah, all you liberals with your fucking fancy $10 words and your degrees – they won't you do really it. say ten dollar yeah. words. No, come on. That was me giving him a little bit of class, man. Ten dollar words. Come on. <laughs> he did say your fancy degrees and your your books. What good your books will do? Like I, I may not be a big city lawyer. Like, yeah, well, like he's one like, of those dudes. <laughs> I'm just a small time pizza lawyer, like one of those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, specializing in all pizza law. But no, the dude was like, uh, you know, when when the apocalypse happens and we have to live off the land, I wonder how good your books will do you then. I'm like, well, I'll have a book to learn how to do it, so I hey. guess I'll be fine. But yeah. it was it was the idea that you're right. These people are just waiting for the day where all like. They are mad and they feel left behind because, you know, education exists. So they're just Mm -hmm. trying to go back to the time where it didn't matter. You didn't need education, you know? You could just hunt some rabbits and uh, build a fire and that's all you need. Yeah, just eat stew for the rest of your life and fucking sleep out under the stars and shit in a hole in the ground. Are you ready for that life, man? Are you like my whole life? I've just been waiting. I mean, I, you know, I low-key am one of those guys up to a point, you know? Like, I, I could get down with some apocalypse stuff. Problem is, you're from the South, and I have to keep reminding myself. Like, we're both from the South, sort of, and that's <laughs> yeah. a thing. I, uh, I mean, I, I'm from a very different South than what people think of when they think of the South, though, and so are you, I, I would say. Yeah. You know, like, like yeah, we, yeah. we were in, at least, like, when I knew you, like, we were both living in suburbs, you know, like, in a very kind of separate environment from the people right in our backyards who are yeah. like living in the fucking meth capital of the world you know it's very strange to think about that yeah um, it's like literally on the other side of the tracks there's like some <laughs> shady shit happening yeah I'd, i got into a dick measuring contest about what's more fucked up pennsylvania or, or florida with my neighbor who's just like well you wouldn't know this but in the 60s this was the meth capital of the world and i'm like bitch you know what the meth capital of the world is now like fucking florida lakeland it's like scepter. fucking oh is it scepter it's moved so it's like the uh, assassin uh, scepter and fucking lakeland but it was just that fucking road like that little pasco where, where's that asshole uh sheriff grady judd at <laughs> right that fucking douchebag wherever he is okay like I've obviously taken this guy. Grady Jid. <laughs> he's run and out of post and, and, for three and years. All the meth heads were like, now that's a sheriff I can get behind. <laughs> well, he's like draconian as fuck, dude. Oh, is he? Yeah. I, I don't which know I anything guess about is, Grady Jid. Well, no, oh, man, you got to look him up. He's fucked up. He's got all kinds of fucked up things. <laughs> is, he like, is he like Joe Arpaio? Yeah, man. It's the Arizona dude you're talking about, right? The yeah. fucking guy who was just basically. Who was just pardoned for being a fucking terrible human being? Yeah. That's got to be the coolest thing that a president can do is just straight up be like, nah, you're good. What? Oh, why, do, why do presidents have the power to do that? I know it's like a check and balance on the judicial system, I guess. 
Is yeah, it? Yeah, but it also feels like it, there should be common sense. Yeah, it is, by the way. Uh, the, the judicial system is there, and it's like the president's ability, the same way that he has the veto ability against the legislative branch, right? He's right. got the pardoning branch. But still, it just seems like a common sense thing, which is where this whole, like, I mean, I don't want to get too political here for a minute, but this fucking border thing, right? Which, by the way, the amount of people still able just to talk about, like, that fucking rapper who died today while there's, like, families being separated from their... XXX tentacion yeah that dude yeah the guy who like raped and beat women yeah i'm supposed to feel bad for him but meanwhile families are being separated and then you have ann coulter being like oh these are child actors they're they're crisis actors but by the way if i can just read a quote from grady grady judd's uh (laughs) you found a grady judd yes um Judd gained uh, publicity as a sheriff with his tell-it-how-it-is attitude. Uh In 2006, when asked why his deputies shot a suspected cop killer 68 times, he responded, that's all the bullets we had. Damn, dude. Like, a part of me actually respects that. Like, I know that's archaic and fucking horrible. I mean, that's like something out of, like, a John Wayne Western or something. Like, that's some... That's... I kind of respect him now. So now, you, now you're on team. On <laughs> now, now I'm kind of on team Judd. I'm going to volunteer on his reelection campaign, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! I'm, All I'm, right. I'm staying in Florida. I got important work to do. This is my point. Like even the most hardened liberal secretly wants Texas justice. I think you know what I mean. I heard this fucking horrible story that happened here in, in Chester County um, about this is fucking horrible. So I'm going to bring it down. Really terrible. But there was a, a guy just knocking on doors at like 7.30 in the morning in Chester County, like 20, 30 minutes away. And a four-year-old girl answers the door and he like snatches her and like starts raping her on her front lawn. And she's four. Now, many questions. Why is a four-year-old answering the door? Not important. The, the punchline to this is that the dad hears it and then comes out and then stops it. But there's no details as to how he stopped it. And let me just tell you right now, we need to, when I'm president, the first order of business. Can, can I just stop you real quick? I as guess far so. as, as far as punchlines go, that's one of the worst ones I've heard. Wait, what? The punchline? Yeah, you said that. And the punchline is the dad went out and just stopped it. Not really well, funny at all. I'm going to be not, honest. Not a punchline. I wasn't finished. You cut me off. You took the fucking wind out of my sails. I mean, it's not going to be funny no matter what. But what I'm saying is this, that... He goes out there and he stops it, but they don't mention how he stops it. And what I was saying is this, that we, the first order of business when I'm fucking president is just like, yo, you can just murder a guy who's fucking with your, your daughter. <laughs> I honestly think that like that dude would have been within his rights to go out with like a 44 and shoot that motherfucker in the head in cold blood. All right. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have prosecuted him. And I don't know a single person in the state who would have prosecuted him. And if you think like that, he shouldn't have killed that guy. I don't know if we can do this podcast anymore, man, because there are very few times where I'm like, I wish Dexter was real, but it's, it's when, when <laughs> pedophiles be coming out to play, man. God, we need a Dexter so bad. I mean, hey, you know, be the change you want to see, man. That's you want I'll me say. to do it? Like, just start wearing I, that fucking long, I just, I, I mesh like fucking you, thing, wear some gloves. I, <laughs> like, man, I, I just think you, you're going to be waiting the rest of your life for someone to step up, and it's like, you know what? Stop waiting. But this start is like Death Wish happens, man. Like, this is like where it's a never-ending saga, six movies in. You, you've already like, got a stash, you know? Just, like, fucking clean up oh, the beard, and you're, you're Death Wish, man. You're in that oh territory. God. Oh, my God. You're so right. I can see it now. Just cover this up a little bit, and just mm-hmm. Chuck Bronson, bro. That's it. That's me now. <laughs> I can't tell the difference. Between me and Chuck Bronson? What a compliment. Yeah. What a fucking comp, as we say. <laughs> And, and Philly, and you and a, a fascist elderly man <laughs> with a gun fetish. Um, 
you know sorry <laughs> yeah gun fetish it's all good man it's all good i'm not anti-gun i'm not pro-gun either i don't know enough I, you know i don't know I, I really think we just got to go back to muskets that's my honest it solution. It takes a long time to oh, load them. It's, there's a cooldown period, certainly. Like, if they're yeah. not going to give you a cooldown period to actually buy a gun, it just seems like they should do one where it literally takes you about three and a half minutes to load a gun. Correct. And I know that's not how long it took, but back in the day, they had practice. Nowadays, it'd be like, wait, wait how do you... Like, you're, you're trying to rob somebody, you fire your gun up into the air, like, stop, so hold Nobody on. Nobody move! And, hold and on. And they're just like this, and they're like, hold on, I gotta, I gotta get it. <laughs> like, two minutes later, they're like, all right. Yeah, man. How I fucked mean, up was was war back in the day? Because you had those muskets, and I liked how they just did uh, the uh, the fr- what is that fucking called? The lineup. They just they just lined up, man. They just lined up, and we're like, I all mean, right, they're gonna shoot, and then we're gonna shoot. So just hold tight, you know what I mean? I feel like you're really not setting yourself up for success. No, not at all. No, for sure. But my point is still like there was an honor there. Like my favorite part of the Revolutionary War is that people were surprised that Washington just started killing people like in a surprise attack right because the british were just like there are rules to this we line up yeah. and we like, he's like no nah, man like we got like 10 people you got like ten thousand. Yeah. i gotta like i gotta use what i, I, got, I got yeah i'm not gonna fucking just sacrifice all of my 10 men it's one of those die. things where you realize how often like human life is just such a disposable thing like yeah. I, I was rereading about the civil war and it's just like do you know why we won that not because we were better not because we have better generals. Robert E. Lee is a just so much fucking more superior tactical mind than Grant or fucking maybe Tecumseh. He was a badass, as we as we mentioned. The truth is just that we had three times as many people. We had Irish getting off the boats all the time. We're like, hey, welcome to America. Go kill some fucking uh, Southern people. You know what I mean? And it was one of those things where like eventually we just realized, well, we have more people. Just keep going. Just Grant was just like, keep throwing fucking bodies at the problem. And we won because we yeah. had Irish people. And uh, yeah, you know, like whenever I'm playing that game, Civilization 5 or Civilization yeah. 6, I'm just always thinking about like my little archery unit or whatever right. that I'll send off into the fray. And it's like, that's not one guy. That's like a whole troop of like t- 10,000 dudes. That's that what I'm you have sacrificing to sacrifice. Yeah. To, right. you know, go kill some Mongols so, well, so that I can take back the fucking resource of uh dude wheat. you ever play fucking civ and you realize that gandhi's a piece of shit like Gandhi's always fuck, a piece of man. shit in civ. okay so oh, here's what happened God. in the early games uh there was a glitch where uh gandhi would be really nice yeah. and gandhi like up until he got nukes mm. and then he just started going nuke crazy but they didn't intend for that to happen but people loved it <laughs> and so they just kept it in the games but he is such a condescending dick the whole time but to be real gandhi has always been a dick Oh, no, definitely. But the idea that he is supposed to be like the thing about Gandhi is if you're looking at him on surface level, all right, Mm -hmm. like even kids know Gandhi and they're like, oh, he was the peace guy. He didn't eat and he bald. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's what they know about Gandhi. Okay. Like you have to do some digging and then, yeah, he's just a horrible, horrible person Mm -hmm. who did a couple of good things, but he's a horrible person. Yeah. Um, but it's still jarring every time that you just started a civilization and not one turn before he's like, greetings, let us have peace, blah, 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 blah. And then the next thing he's like, your fucking civilization is backwards and I'm going to destroy it. It, yeah. fuck, it changed my life when that happened, man. Yeah. Like just seeing Gandhi's condescending face, just shaking his head in disapproval. <laughs> like, how could you let your people not have enough naval ships? And it's like, fuck you, you son of a bitch. I'm working on it. 
I've got a couple triremes in the back. I'm building them right now. He's talking shit about your fucking naval force. Talk shit about everything. Oh my god, what a I'm judgmental Gandhi! Boy. Fuck yeah. you, Gandhi! You got killed. Worry about your own assassination than my navy. You know what I mean? Oh, Ben yeah, Kingsley, man. He he did that guy more justice than he deserved. Kevin Klein, right? Wait, did Kevin Klein do some movie at some point? What? <laughs> Where are we getting Kevin Klein from? I don't know. For some reason in my mind, Kevin Klein is the real Gandhi. He <laughs> like Gandhi? No, no, no. He's the real Gandhi. <laughs> like, oh, like in real death. life. Yeah, back in the when did he die? Forties, fifties? I don't know, man. It's a rough yeah. time for Gandhi. And he just went into like glacial hibernation, like Red mm-hmm. Skull or something. Yep. Or Captain America. And when he came out. Well, that's not what happened to Red Skull. He went to another planet and just stayed there waiting for someone to well, show that's up. Well, his, that's his geist, man. That's not really Red Skull. That's his geist. That was so dumb. It wasn't even Hugo Weaving. That's what bothered me. Wasn't it? Nah, it bro. Sounded like him. Uh, they got another Hugo Weaving guy. They're like, hey, not Hugo Weaving. Come here, you know? Huh. It's well, heartbreaking. It was dumb, and it didn't make sense, and I didn't like it. But it's beside the point. Kevin Klein is probably our generation's Gandhi. If there is one. <laughs> and last generation's Gandhi. And last generation. I'm not giving up on this. I think the support's out there. We just gotta find it, man. It's a lot like Shakespeare, man. He didn't exist. Secretly yeah. he's Francis Bacon. You know, we talked about that earlier. But um I, I think that you Wait, gotta he's believe Francis Bacon now. Wait, not Gandhi. Shakespeare is isn't, Francis Bacon. You haven't heard isn't, this? Isn't Francis Bacon the uh, nightmare painter? No. Who Wait, maybe. Maybe. No, no, that's who, who goal, goal, goal uh, starts with a G, right? Oh, yeah, Francis Bacon. I'm thinking of another Bacon, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Kevin Bacon didn't do the scream either. Like, what are you talking about? You're just no, giving not, false not, information not, out there. Not, not, not the scream. Um, there's some guy with the last name Bacon who did these scary-ass paintings that were not the scream. Oh, okay. Uh, bacon paintings. You know what bothers me about the scream? That there isn't just one. Like, the title implies singularity hey right? okay francis bacon british irish painter look him up terrifying stuff stuff and nightmares man it's not the same francis bacon no i'm gonna what? send you a link right now i'm gonna link you on this podcast what a surname. yeah what a surname bacon and then I'm, I'm just i'm really glad that my memory hasn't deteriorated to the point where i was like getting the two mixed up like completely yeah hold on i'm gonna look it up bacon paintings i love it oh yeah this is nice these were like the 40s and stuff. This looks like fucking Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's little Batman. I don't know if you read that one or not, but... Uh, well, I mean, I played the game, oh, you know, Arkham City. It. See, this is what bothers me. I put all the fucking hours, wasted years of my life reading books, and you fucking just play a video game, and you're like, I have just as much knowledge as you. Fuck. I mean, I got the greatest hits. I don't need to see Solomon Grundy like try to get a daytime job in some spinoff issue or like try to fucking uh, fight Batman on a roof now. Or that now is a very a sad issue where he's just going from place to place. Be like, are y'all hiring? Can I have an application? Port on a Monday. And, uh, you know, <laughs> they never hire him because he's got like fucking weird. Like, yeah, but can threats. we actually get a date of birth? Like a day of the week is not a date of birth. <laughs> Born like, on a Monday. That. And then <laughs> okay. once we're past that, uh, social security number... Oh, you're 200 years old somehow? Okay, that's great. I see that you're like 12 feet tall. You can't I, really fit in the I, building. You know, Solomon, I don't know if this is the right fit for you. Uh, I don't because... think you're going to work out at this Foot Locker, man. Like, you can't even put on shoes, bro. 
<laughs> what day can you work? Monday. All right. Well, that's one day out of the seven, and that's not great availability, Solomon. Uh, so you got... keep like trying to like recharge on our power supply, and you just keep blowing it out. Like the whole power grid keeps going down, which is not fair <laughs> oh, to the neighborhood. Man. Solomon, your electric your electricity bill, man. You know, Gotham's buildings are not, you know, they're not new. Like, they're they're very old, you know. A lot of fire codes being broken. We can't have you just plugging in. Yeah. Electrocuting yourself. Did you ever read, I know you're not a big comic reader, but did you ever get a chance to read Scott Snyder, any of Scott Snyder's Batman? He did the Court of Owls run? No. Uh, Court of Owls is cool because I know it's something that a lot of people do, but they go back and they kind of recontextualize things. So you realize that there's a secret society in Gotham that's always been around. Because the idea of a bat, I mean, they, they try to say like the Waynes have gone backwards and there's not always been a Batman, but the bat has always been a symbol of the Waynes, right? Because like the manor and shit like that. And so for 150 years, there's been the secret society and they legit have their headquarters in a secret floor in Wayne Tower. Now, this is where it gets trippy for me because it's just like, wait, wait, wait we're the in blueprints. Wayne Tower where Wayne does business. Yes, not, oh okay. man, God. Not in Wayne that Manor. would be amazing. Like, like just in a time. secret room that Bruce Wayne did not know about his entire life. His entire life, despite him making the fucking, you know, cave to his <laughs> right. specifications. There's like a trap door there the whole time. No, it's a Wayne Tower, which is still interesting because he has to like, it's, it's like hidden in between floors and there's like a vent and he goes in and there's like a board meeting and you see these pictures from like, 1905 and these creepy masks and then yeah. like 1975 the same masks and all and that do, shit do they know bruce wayne is batman they do because in the second thing they they invade wayne manor it's like really metal when you get here i'll let you read it because it's okay. scott snyder's one of my favorite um his batman arc's probably my favorite batman arc like i love what he did um even though he kind of falls victim to the same thing that everyone does whenever they take over a book if i ever get a chance to write a batman story please stop me from creating a new villain that is the only one who can somehow stop Batman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that is a cardinal sin that people be doing over and over and over again. And I don't know why, man, it bothers me. I mean, I, I feel like the only person that can stop Batman is Batman, you know, at this point. So, you know, you just use his, uh, his guilt against him. the Tyler Durden situation. He like fucking handcuffs himself to the bed. He's like, dude, I go to sleep and the other guy wakes up, goes out, punches some fucking, uh, Solomon Grundy's. Yeah. It's a whole thing. I, I mean, I'm sure some version of it's been done before, but like, I just want one where Batman accidentally kills somebody and he's just like ripped apart from the guilt of it. And, uh, you know, <laughs> hangs up the cleats. What if we see one where he actually kills somebody and then we have to see like him go through the legal process. No, like but as Batman, he's like summoned yeah. to court as Batman. Yeah, he gets served. He's like, "Hey, are you Batman?" He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "You've been served, motherfucker." And he's like, "Oh, just getting grocery." Um, I thought you were gonna do a bit where he tries to play it off. He's like, "No, I'm a night bat <laughs> man." Oh shit! Ah, fuck. <laughs> well, night bat. That's not who you are at all. I guess I'll just. <laughs> Um, no, no. So he gets served papers, you know, he has to go, the stenographer has to type in what he's yeah, saying to, and, to the local circuit court and just like, yeah. Can, uh, Mr. Batman, can you please identify yourself for the judge and the jury? Uh, I am the knight. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> can you read that back? I am the knight, uh, like, like the, the absence of day or like, um, some kind of King Arthur situation. <laughs> I'm the knight, man. I don't. I don't gotta expand, expound on that at all. Fuck um, you. Christian name is Batman, comma the. <laughs> uh, that's that's not a name. That's an article. It's both. All right. Who who are you? What do you want from me? You called me here as Batman. Yeah. Who are you to judge me? Oh, you're a judge. Fuck. All right. My bad. I'm gonna walk that back. My bad. <laughs> There's this really awkward silence, and he just throws down a smoke grenade. <laughs> 
fucking but he doesn't get out <laughs> no no he's chained to the thing so the so, smoke so grenade goes smoke off dissipates and he's still sitting there as batman yeah man it's like fuck <laughs> oh man okay so he's he's sitting there on trial again it would have to be murder mm. right because they're not going to pull him in i mean if they did they'd be like and listen on top of the murder property damage i mean millions upon millions of dollars every time you take the the batmobile out you crack a street like uh in march versus the monorail we gotta put yeah. fucking like uh chains so on is, our tires this is the incredible type situation where like all the superheroes start getting sued oh man yeah i guess so but i mean he's not getting sued he's just being put on trial for like <laughs> the accidental murder of a henchman who had kids, by the way. And there's a scene where the fucking kids have to face him. And they'd be like, why did you yeah. kill my daddy, Batman? Why did you well, kill your, my pop? Your dad was a piece of shit who was uh, hanging out with underworld uh, crime bosses. And he should have thought about that before he left you. And, and then the kid is like, now I'm going to dedicate my life to killing all heroes. <laughs> and then it's Batman's like, like, maybe my presence has created more monsters than it's caught. Yeah. And then he, and what he, is he finally has that moment with himself. And then he goes to pr- prison, like yeah. for years, but always in the back. As Batman, yeah, yeah, that's a thing. And so he walks in, and these people are heckling. I'm like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. hey, bats, because that's the thing. How many people has he put away? You know, a few, at least a few. At, at least a few, <laughs> like a few hundred, maybe. I don't know. They never tell you that. He's, so he's much- like in. He's in Gen Pop. Like he, he's like they want to make an example out of him, right? <laughs> Batman's like always oh, hanging out by himself. I think it's does, one of those does it things. Does Shawshank or does he just fight him off every time? Uh, it's like a Rorschach situation where he's like, You think I'm stuck in here with you? You're stuck in here with me. Like one of those, you know what I mean? And then he just starts killing people left and right. See, I, I feel like just eventually he would be broken, like his spirit and like no, turned into a shell of a man. But I tell you, there's this fucking amazing Punisher uh, story that I love, which is that Punisher has effectively cleaned up the streets in New York. And there's nobody out there. So Punisher, you know what he does? Hmm. He purposely goes to prison. He commits a felony just so he can go to prison. He's like, I'm in fucking heaven, man. <laughs> like, Why doesn't know? he just go to a new city? No, I'm in New York. I mean, that's that's if, if you've cleaned up New York, everything else follows, man. <laughs> that's facts. That's facts. People in LA yeah, like, tell that to Detroit. <laughs> People in Detroit be like, I want to kill you, but New York, no murders. I mean, we gotta we gotta follow the example, the shining. <laughs> Like all the all the criminals are like, man, it's getting gentrified over there. Maybe our time is over, boys. Let's open up a Footlocker. I don't know. Let's uh, let's open an artisanal mayonnaise let's, store. Let's, let's put down the guns. <laughs> artisanal mayonnaise is the future. Let's use these ill-gotten gains to do something good for the community. Like price out our housing so that the poor people we love can't live here anymore. My grandma doesn't need to live in a home. <laughs> it's a real Stringer Bell conundrum, you know? Stringer Bell kind of was Batman, uh, if you think about it. Elaborate. Think about it, all right? You know, he was trying to use his money for good, but ultimately just kept fucking things up. I feel like that's the, mean... that's the cautionary tale of the Waynes. I really feel like the Waynes tried to do their best, but even with all the money in the world, the city that they... I mean, like, I feel like there's no city <laughs> that more accurately represents Gotham now than Detroit, right? Like, there's some rich people in Detroit. But they don't give a fuck about the people or the city or the infrastructure or any of the things that, you know, you need for a city. Nor should they. Dude, have you ever been to Detroit? Yeah. You didn't like it? I fucking know. It's so I, pretty, I, man. I don't know. I it's Detroit. very weird. I was there when I was five. Ah, well, come on. I mean, it was not great then either. But I, I have I, a very good memory. Uh, tell me what happened. I went to the Detroit Museum of Art. 
Um, I saw some beautiful paintings. They have art there? Fuck. That's amazing. It's like one of the best museums in the world, like a seriously amazing collection. Um, they have like Picasso, Monet, all the all the classics, old furniture, new furniture. Yeah. You wouldn't furniture. believe Why do I need to range your furniture? furniture. <laughs> <laughs> I got new furniture, old furniture, medium aged furniture. That's teenage furniture. You're like, oh shit, dude. That's like a real fake doors commercial. <laughs> we got real fake doors. Um Fucking Royland does like the same three voices and it doesn't get old. It's fine to me. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say I love it, man. There's that part in the in the finale of the last season where it's such a throwaway line. It's when they're in Brazil for some reason, and the guy is like, Noche, noche, Americanos. And you're just like, All right, man. Like, I get it. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Did you hear the uh Christmas or the birthday card that uh Royland made for Kanye? I heard the song and it's weird. It's it weird. weird. It's just talking about him like fucking Kanye while he's sleeping. Well, he like sneaks into his house yeah. through a window and then fucks him while he's unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, Morty's man. just like, oh, oh Rick, we gotta get out of here. Why? Oh, we, we, we gotta go, Rick. What are it's you doing? It's his birthday, Morty. <laughs> we gotta say it's happy birthday. birthday. Morty. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and yet no one's making a joke about that, you know, because I think Carlin was right. Rape jokes. It's all about the context. <laughs> they have a funny context. <laughs> God damn it. I can't believe that you laughed at that. I feel worse having said that and then getting some kind of like affirmation about it. I, thought, I was just laughing because you said it. You gave, like, oh, man, said it. <laughs> you gave me an attaboy. You gave me an attaboy. That was not like, an attaboy for our listening audience. I just, you know, I was really, I was impressed. Do you ever go back and you ever watch like uh, the Batman animated series? And there's this thing that Bruce Wayne does all the time for some reason in that show, which is every time Alfred makes a point, he does one of those like, like, like fake yeah. hits. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? That's what yeah. that was. You gave me one of those. Like, good job, slugger. <laughs> like, holy shit, we're going to hell, man. Mostly you. Like, I said it, but that's what? because Why I mostly know better. me. Why are you single? I don't me know yet? better. And you did, you're, and you agreed. <laughs> okay. You. You know enough to know that you don't know better. So I feel like... I don't uh, even know that. You got me to a time loop just then. I don't know that I know if I don't know. Fuck you, man. All I know <laughs> is that I said a rape joke and you laughed at it. I think that makes you a terrible person, man. That's all, all I'm right. saying. Well, you know, this has been another episode of Where's <laughs> oh, My Burrito? <laughs> oh, God. All right. Hold on. Here's a weird question, man. The fuck's up with a high five and where did that originate from? Who were the um, first people who were so fucking exacerbated or happy that they were like, ah! and they just slapped hands? Like, what's the origin? <laughs> I wish you could see the visual for that audience. Maybe we'll release it one day. Yeah, I think we <laughs> need to. Because it looked like an attack. <laughs> and maybe that's what it was. It was just an attack and someone else was like, ah, right. And then they like, hands connected and they were like, whoa, that was. That, that, that felt was good. The, whoa. That was the coolest thing we've ever done. Like, I think we can both agree. And the other guy was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, I was trying to attack you. And you just fucking, like, pure self-defense made it awesome. Yeah. And he wasn't even mad anymore. He was just like, I guess we're friends now, you know? Yeah, I know that the handshake started Mm. as a way, like, you offer your hand as a way to show you don't have any weapons in your weapon-dominant hand. Ah, okay. Right? So that was like, I come in peace. So maybe the high five was like, 
look like weapons be falling out if i had some yeah. up my sleeve bro but there, yeah but there's just so many loopholes to that which is like hi let me shake your hand with my left and then they pull out the right hand which has got guns going his non-dominant hand no <laughs> um yeah but see like that made sense to me i mean also something about the origin of uh handshakes that handshakes were a way that diseases mutated like one of the stds and i'm blanking on which one it is it became an std because it used to be much more common it used to be like transmitted just by like handshakes yeah, and hellos hpv and shit like that. actually stands for hand pv is that what it is? Hand pop, hand papilloma. Uh, what is it? Papillovirus. I can never yeah, fucking say this pa- word. Papilloma virus. Ah, fuck it's yourself, not human, man. See, I'm Spanish as fuck, and now you're gonna come at what, what's what does it actually stand for? I'm now I'm mad. Isn't Hold it papilloma? It might be, but I feel like if I'm wrong, then what? Also, yeah. Hey, we were right. Okay, we're fine. We're yeah, fine. It's human human papilloma virus. Um, or papilla- hand papilloma virus because it was transmitted through hands. The thing is, like, that's the kind of thing that I will legit start telling people because I it sounds right. I don't think it is, obviously, but I would go around and put that misinformation out there, man. Yeah, you know, like, just get out there and disrupt things. Why not? As if things aren't already disrupted enough, you fuck. So it's my let's fault? Stick, <laughs> let's stick to the facts. It is, it is your fault. Okay. I can't support you in this. Okay, well, my point is this. I don't know the facts. That's the problem. I'm purely speculating at best, okay? Yeah. Like, which is half of what I do. I shoot from the hip, Max. I don't, mm-hmm. need, I don't need facts, you know what I mean? What's that fucking thing that, uh, that Max says and it's always sunny where he's just like, these liberal, he's trying to uh, talk shit about science and uh, at the serial defense, right? He's just like, yeah. I'm a simple man. These liberals try to attack my character, but I only care about three things. <laughs> I'm, I'm a simple dude. I like beer. I love God. <laughs> Rock, flag, and eagle, right? Right, Charlie? He's like, he's right. got a point. Got a point. He's got a point. <laughs> and Dennis is like, no, he doesn't. I just got to switch. I'm on the fence. I got to switch to be on the fence. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. That show, I wonder... Um, Could it get better? And the answer is probably not. Yeah, probably not. Uh, you know, we have to be on the downward trend of the, the, the crest of the wave has already long happened. And... Uh, but the thing is, even with the episodes of the newer seasons where I'm like, ah, this isn't as good as it used to be, I'll come back to them, and they're, like, way funnier. Well, yeah, well, okay, so last season, they did that Making a Murderer episode, which I did not love, but then mm-hmm. I watched it again recently, and I was like, all right, it's got some jokes in it. Like, it's got well, some Especially when, some when you know that the twist is that it's a hit piece um, paid for by Frank to just assassinate Dennis's character. I wish that, like, that was my actual family situation. You know what I mean? (laughs) It would be better than, like, the the bullshit betrayal. I want someone to have so much, like, beef with me. They're, like, they're going to pull out a whole fucking stops of having a production team, you know? Right. Like, they're actively trying to waterboard you or, like, kill you before you kill them and collect their inheritance or something. It's like uh, there's that joke in in the office when Dwight confirms that the kid is his or whatever, Mm -hmm. and he calls... Where he like does a video, right? And he's like, uh, you need to kill Mose or he will kill you. <laughs> like there is already the blood feud. <laughs> Mose is gonna kill a fucking unborn child because he knows that it's competition to the great shrewd stakes, you know. <laughs> the great shrewd estate. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like things would be a lot simpler, you know, instead of all this weird passive aggressive uh shit with families that most people have, you know, if you just have the uh you know, I'm just going to fucking kill you before you kill me mentality. At least you know where you stand. 
That's what I thought was going to eventually happen in Hereditary, by the way. I straight thought that's what we were going. We were going to go to, like, uh, the, the son was going to try to kill the fucking uh, the mom and, the, and vice versa. But then, by the way, I looked this up. I looked up that kid, right, the Alex Wolf kid um, who plays the main dude in that movie. And he was in a movie with our favorite Brendan Fraser, all right, 2013 film called Hairbrained. And all I know about it is that the one still is Brendan Fraser looking – like happier than he, than he was at the Golden Globe finger bang thing. You know what I'm talking yep, about? Yeah. Like happier than that moment. Oh so just my think God. about it. And then. Because I, I don't think Brendan has had a lot of happy moments in the past 10 years. No, so good for no, him. It's been rough. And this is 2013. So it wasn't that long ago, only five years ago, man. Um, and he looks real happy. And um, meanwhile, Alex Wolf has just like, you see how my hair is now, but if you mm-hmm. multiplied it by three, like he's got the weirdest fucking hair I've ever seen. And that's like the play on the title is that he's, it's hair brained or whatever. Uh, and uh, the premise of it is that Alex Wolf goes to college as a freshman and Brendan Fraser is a 41 year old freshman with a gambling problem. And it's about how this like 17 year old savant who went to college early has to fucking deal with this albatross named Brendan Fraser as he gambles his goddamn you know, kids' college fund away. Never mind his oh, own man. college fund, which he's using currently to be enrolled. But it's neither here nor there, man. Brendan's got I'm, problems. I'm, I, I'm looking up pictures from here, Brendan. Oh, and dude, right? <laughs> Brendan does look very happy. I'm really happy for him that at least he got one moment, even if he was pretending, where he was that ecstatic about something. Good for I him. wish I was ever as happy as Brendan That's- Fraser is in, in his single moments of happiness, you know? yeah well i mean that that's what i always say about like whenever i have a dog around me and you like throw a stuffed animal or a ball and that dog is like happier than you will ever be for the rest of your life just to get that thing and bring it back to you what's there's some movie and i'm blanking on it but he's just like ah bubbles i wish i loved anything as much as my kids love bubbles and i'm like yeah that's right man back in the day bubbles is all it took you know (laughs) <laughs> then it got all complicated with the Instagrams and uh, F books. F books. <laughs> Social media, man. But hey, man, bringing it back to Hereditary. Um, yeah. Sorry. You're you're a day out from having seen it. Yeah. Bugging you for a long ass time. How how you feeling about it? Yeah, I liked it. It was cool. It was disturbing. Um, it was not the movie I thought it was going to be, which was cool. That little yeah. girl was fucking weird. Yeah. In a good way. Like, I don't want to talk shit about a little girl, but <laughs> I'm about to talk shit about a little girl. <laughs> like, fuck's going on with this little girl? What's wrong yeah. with her face? No, What's I'm wrong joking. with your face? No, um, she, she was actually really good at it. I mean, I don't know if that's yeah. like... The problem with all child acting is I'm not sure if it's a product of editing or if the or if the kid is actually yeah solid. man i don't know there's a couple examples of that right of editing mm-hmm. taking over and making a film better than it is but she was genuinely creepy yeah the guy was very good at what he did i mean the the thing i really like about that movie is that it seems to have packed a punch like there's so much history that's implied mm-hmm. right it's not like spoon fed to you but you know there's enough clues there's enough like uh casually mentioned this this and that that all of it feels very earned and you feel that that movie was real not in the way that i'm saying oh that should actually happen but it it had the real weight of things where like in stories you're not going to have everything fucking spilled spelled out for you but if Mm -hmm. you do a good job there should be enough history implied that you're like oh we didn't we don't know the whole story but we know there's a bunch going on there it is it is rooted in uh some real ass emotional trauma and for most of the movie everything that happens in it could 
you know, technically happen in the real world, and it's just awful. And that's what makes it so uh, so effective. I think. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I would say other than the last 20 minutes, it's just a, a movie about tr- trauma. <laughs> like, yeah. that's it. Like, it's, yeah, it's a family film. and possible mental illness. And you can make the argument for the last 20 minutes being all delusion, but I don't think that it, that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, like there, there's definitely allusions to, like, schizophrenia and mania and borderline personality disorder and all that. Uh, I went into it expecting the scariest fucking movie of all time because yeah. that's what people were setting me up for. And I was like, wow, this better be, like, the scariest fucking thing. And it's not, but it was really Yeah, good. I just read some review today um, from one of these message boards. That, all right, so there's a stupid message board where they rank movies in their own rankings um and like once like matinee if it's good but you should go during a matinee there's ones like full price and then there's one the best one is better than sex which by the way i'm sorry i love movies but very few films have ever yeah. quite lived up to the to the experience of that so i'm just gonna call bullshit on the rating system but the right. guy was like it's the greatest horror film i've ever seen in my life and i'm like it's like you need to see more horror movies yeah so. i think you just haven't seen a lot and that's not that's not a disrespect to the film the film's fine it's no. just not a horror film it's a bait and switch it's a lot like how um did you watch uh, crimson peak by guillermo mm-hmm. a couple of years back that fucking movie was like shot as a horror film like the trailer was cut to be like oh it's a horror film set in the yeah. no not at all it's a romance movie man right. like There's that's a couple what it of spooky scenes and that's but, it but but i feel like the difference here is that it was too uh it actually benefited from the the MacGuffin, you know what i mean yeah. like it's definitely the little girl is going to be like the big bad kind of yeah. or like the creepiest part of it <laughs> the little bad but who's big as fuck Dude, yeah. I was ready to. I was ready to like. Okay, I'm pro child murder. Like for a second, <laughs> I was like, I'm ready for this because right. she's evil. Yeah, I, like, yeah, I thought so it was going to it. a place where like the mom was gonna have to kill her kid, and I was like, yeah. oh, that's fucked up. That's what I need. Didn't happen. That's another Macaulay Culkin good son God, sequel. <laughs> oh, the good son, dude. I don't even know if that was an episode that we talked about or one that ended up on the cutting room floor. But I don't uh, remember. God damn it, the good son. That ending so fucking wonderful. I'll see if I can save that episode if not. But I, I want to see an alternate cut of that movie where she kills the wrong kid. Like wait. <laughs> okay. Uh, the good yeah, son. I was yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. what? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Because then the good son, um, to recap at the end of it, McCullough yeah. Culkin's a murder child, like he's murdering people and yeah. pretending to be a good kid and it's like making Elijah Wood out to be a liar. Yeah. But it turns out he's not a liar. He's not an liar at, at the all. end, the mom has to choose between the good son, who's actually a murderer, mm-hmm. or Elijah Wood. She chooses Elijah Wood, who's yeah. the actual good kid, and lets Macaulay Culkin fall to his death off a cliff. I'm just saying I want to see the version of that movie where she lets Elijah Wood fall. Yeah. And she's like, I believe you, Macaulay Culkin. And then he's like, he just cool. murders her immediately. <laughs> she's like, oh, it was a murder-suicide, guys. I'm the good son. <laughs> and then, like, zooms in. It just says, I'm the good son. He, like, calls out the title of the fucking film. Yeah, he, like, looks right at the camera. Oh, Christ, man. Um, Yeah, I thought you meant the other one. And I'm like, that's just, that's dark, man. Oh, Hereditary. No. Hereditary, you know, it... <laughs> 30 minutes into the movie, you see a, a child actor get decapitated horribly. So, uh, oh, spoilers. I was not ready for that. Dude, I yeah. just I so wasn't ready for it. Like, it was horrifying. It was also, like, yeah. kind of funny. 
I mean, mm-hmm. not really. So are you coming around on that a little bit? I mean, I'm not coming around on the whole film being funny because Tony Collette crying because her child was murdered is not funny to me. I don't know why it's funny to you, Max. Honestly, no, I'm it's worried not, about you. Yeah. It's not by itself funny, but after she finds out that her daughter has died, she's like, I wish I was dead. And she's like in this praying position and crying and like just yeah. a, an emotional wreck. And then it does like almost like a, a fucking match cut where yeah. she's now in a new location in the same position, crying in the exact same way. So, like, way. a week has passed, but yeah. she's and been she's like, same. She's been, like, she's on the floor of the car crying. She's, like, fucking, you yeah, know, yeah, cooking yeah. dinner but crying. Like, it's just, like, <laughs> this entire week. Doing laundry, yeah, doing all this Meanwhile, shit. Meanwhile, Gabriel crying. Byrne is just like, uh, all right, I don't know how to comfort you. Well, um, it's funny because in the first scene, he's on out. the floor with her. Like, he yeah. is trying to console yeah. her. But by the funeral, he's like, he's all right, just, He's got, him. like, a massive migraine. He hasn't slept in a week. Yeah. He's been fucking eating, like, takeout every night because he doesn't know how to fucking cook he's although he, he cooks in the beginning he cooks in the movie <laughs> like, that's i like oh, to think yeah, that, that does big, cook the there. big confrontation is war not it's not about fucking the child murder but how like fucking tasteless and flavorless his goddamn meat is you know what i mean like yeah i was ready to live with this for the rest of my life but goddamn yeah. it this goddamn steak is so bad that we're going to talk about child murder for <laughs> a second that's what bothered me was like how didn't this dude go to jail right because he's real burn. No, 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 no. Alex Wolf. How did he like? Is I look for better or for worse, right? You mean after the end? Yeah. of Yeah. No, no, no. Not after the end of the movie. How does he not go to jail for killing his fucking sister? Involuntary though it may have been, he had just smoked weed at this party, right? Like you figure they had to give him like, hey man, did you have anything to drink today? Like where were you before this? He says he's at a party. Obviously they test for that shit. But instead, because, uh, you know, he doesn't call the authorities right away. He just goes home and leaves his decapitated sister hanging out in the back seat. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, I, I think that you can kind of explain away a lot of those plot holes by saying that all of it was pre-planned by the cult. Because even on the pole where her head gets knocked off, you see the symbol of, of Pyman. Of the cult. Yeah. Like, uh, maybe the judge was like a member of the cult or something. Or they, okay. you know, use some spooky witch magic. Yeah, to be like, hey, court system, don't listen. Notice. If this was fucking Batman and he had murdered this little girl, all right, they would throw him in jail, all right, <laughs> indiscriminate. But this fucking teenager just like <laughs> flees the scene of the crime with a body in his back seat, and they're just like, hey, he's fine, whatever. He, he had hashtag her. suburban teen privilege. That's. <laughs> but shouldn't Bruce Wayne also <laughs> benefit from that? He lives in no. a giant castle on the suburbs. He's, he's he's got spooky mansion privilege. Like it's different. It's different, bro. Come on, yeah. you're not living in a mansion. He's no, I mean up. it's a nice house though. It is a nice yeah. house. Um, it gets really fucked up at the end, which is really sad. You know, that's going to cost a lot of money to get yeah. that dead burned smell out of it. Oh man! Think about well, the real estate agent who's going to have to deal with that. I'm just saying. <laughs> like, oh yeah, this is the house where um, the devil's minion was summoned. Yeah, uh, sure. The fucking daughter was decapitated. Yeah, the father was set ablaze. The mother cut her own head off. But the real victim here is the goddamn agent who has to go in there and show that place afterwards. I mean, the that's who you're concerned dead already. About. You know, like their souls are damned, probably. So like, yeah. Whatever. So that's a victimless crime. But this. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Did you notice how, like, when Tony Collette is crying and grieving when she's in that pose, she's in the same pose that she is when her headless body yeah. is shown at the yeah. end? Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah, which was, and that's my point. Like, I saw it once, and like, dreams have revealed more shit about that. Like, it's a mother situation. Now, granted, it's yeah. much better than mother, but in as much that it, it has stuck with me 
well after I left the theater. Um, and that is like one of the best things. I, I mean, I love that about art more than anything. And it's not about movies. It can be about music videos. Like this is America was big and like certain comics and shit. But anytime you get to the end of a story, like that's in theory, like movies and, and all art, it's escapism. You know, we put on the office. So we can have 22 minutes where we're watching these idiots do cringeworthy sh- shit. So we don't have to really deal with our everyday thing. And then when that's over, we get to move on with our lives. That's what movies are supposed to be. And I have not moved on with my life. Like this movie has haunted me still, you know what I mean? And I, it's, it's a, well, I don't know. Okay. Like, you know, yeah. I might have to push back on that. I think that that, what you're describing with hereditary is what movies should be. Ideally. No, no, absolutely. But what I'm saying is that like on, on surface level, right? Not every yeah. movie is trying to stick with you. Some it's, movies are purely trying to be 90 minutes of, of fun. You know what I mean? It's like basically a, a theme park ride where it simulates danger and then you get off and it's like, you forget about it immediately. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's most film. Now, of course, great film is supposed to try to strive, have the ambition to stay with you. But what I'm saying is that more often than not films, even really good ones, you know, you get to the end of it, you're like, wow, that was really good. I had a good time. And then you go get dinner or you go watch some TV or you go do something right. else, you read a book. This is one of those things where like, I'm watching other things on TV and I, and I, my mind is drifting to that fucking, the, the telephone pole, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, we'll see like, a movie like the babadook Mm -hmm. i I honestly found the babadook more disturbing than this which maybe that makes me weird because a lot of people like kind of hate on the babadook these days why they or it's like a weird joke or something Uh, i don't know because the babadook got memefied to the point where he wasn't scary anymore um but see that uh, the memes fucking ruin everything sometimes i think our generation like Think about what other generations have given to this world and what we've done as memes. That's like our contribution to the world, man. Right. But no, like the, the Babadook and Hereditary both kind of share this sort of like storybook logic uh, space. They both, you know, deal with things like familial loss, trauma, grief, yeah. mental illness. Um, it's definitely they, the film that I, 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 I was comparing it to while watching yeah. it. It felt it, that way. Yeah. That and the witch in terms of like the tone of just like weird dread that just like seeps into the movie till by the very end you get this like kind of it's almost like once the monsters are revealed, it's almost kind of beautiful, as horrifying as it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like there's yeah. this like kind of sigh of relief once she like meets all the other witches and it's the first time in the movie she's happy. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I love the witch. Like yeah. if you're asking me head like, a gun to my head, what I like more hereditary or the witch, it's probably the witch right now. But again, my point is like having seen it once, there's some, there are a bunch of things that I, I picked up on. And then there's a bunch of shit where like, I really want to go rewatch it, man, because I feel like, again, he packed so much in there. Like he world built the fuck out of it. And, and he did it so well that he didn't have to be glaring, glaringly obvious yeah, the, about the world building. That's my the, point. The like, movie is a series of effective setups and payoffs, which, yeah. you know, unlike Face Off, I actually love <laughs> that these setups and payoffs are there. Um, oh, Christ. You and Face Off, dude. Uh, you and Face Off. It's, you know, I told you it was a problem for me, you know. <laughs> and we keep poking at that wound. Um but neither here nor there. Stop uh, picking at it, Max. It's not good for you. <laughs> no, I can't help it. Um, but no, I don't remember where I was going with that. But uh, oh yeah, yeah, setups and payoffs. Like, like the part where like the husband walks into the house and he's like, oh, what, "What's that smell?" Yeah. Whatever. And they don't reveal what that smell is until like 
10 to 15 minutes of screen time later, it's the yeah. fucking grandma's rotting corpse. Um, just like little things like that, or like the nut allergy. Like, oh, does that have any nuts in it? Yeah, no. that's a Chekhov's gun in the first fucking two minutes of the yeah. movie, man. Like, yeah. and, and, and then, again, and then, it comes back so much quicker than, than yeah. you expect it to. Yeah, cut cut to the party. They're just chopping up nuts like... Yeah. Go eat some cake. I got to go make out with this girl. Which he doesn't even do, by the way. That's the problem that really bothers me. Homie gets no play in that movie at all. Gets no play at all. And maybe it would have made it a little bit better that his body was being commandeered for an evil hell king. At least gotten laid first. A little bit. God damn it, man. (laughs) Figure these devils would have had some compassion. Be like, well, before we take over his body, let him, you know, experience some pure joy. Better than sex, y'all. It's like this a movie. late 90s sex comedy or something. It's like, before he gets possessed by an evil <laughs> spirit, he's going to try to get laid one last yeah. time. Can't hardly yeah. wait, but, you know, with fucking possessions and shit. <laughs> with demon beheadings and stuff. Oh, Christ, man. <laughs> fucking hereditary. It's- Having watched more of that, by the way, I need to touch back on crypty okay because <laughs> because crypty as i told you a legal yeah. guardian that i resent yeah uh, and, and just like the guy who scared me more than anything as a child he is like a gay skeleton queen man that's like really what he is he is like so fucking fabulous yeah and he don't give a fuck and he's honestly the lightest and most yeah. fucking entertaining part of any of these yeah, stories like, no matter how horrible it gets until or dark it gets until from the Man. crypt you cut back to crypty and he's just saying puns like oh i guess he didn't do blah, blah, blah. <laughs> i don't know i can't think of a thing oh man i sent you that one clip where he's like a like a hairdresser and i'm just like god damn it crypty motherfucker and it's just like the fact that i chose that guy to be scared of as a kid i know show and he's like the best like most well see none of the show is that dark it's none of them are too dark as you say you're right about that yeah. but i mean a couple of them and three's a company that fucking or three's a crowd or whatever it's called oh, where it is with the husband dragging his wife's corpse into his surprise party yeah you know it's one of those things where like maybe i should have saw that coming but at the moment i just didn't and it yeah. destroyed me <laughs> like yeah. i don't know well, why because the episode isn't anything special up until the last like minute yeah you know and then it's just like such a gut punch and then the cut right back to crypty to yeah. say something really shitty about a man who killed his wife <laughs> oh man that's fucked up dude i don't know i like watching that show though i mean i don't want it to inform my horror like well, i want to make something genuinely uh, unnerving not necessarily like funny and that's the thing the people who make those shows are very quick i showed dolores counting cards or cutting yeah. cards how'd you like it chop poker bro <laughs> like she hated the russian roulette scene which is great because i you know we watched that together yeah uh and it was one of those things where like i know how i was reacting to it like i was mm-hmm. messaging i'm like oh no dude i'm i yeah. don't want to watch this <laughs> like right well yeah i remember you saying like after russian roulette you're like i don't know how it could get any worse than that come on <laughs> and then i was like chop poker bro and you're like whatever <laughs> that got much worse dude. it got so much worse yeah and that's the same thing with Dolores. she was like i don't want to watch this rush reload scene this is too much for me and then she was like thank god that's over and then fucking <laughs> chop poker comes up then they get to the end and and you know it's like a looney tunes episode dude again, yeah right? it is it's really it's kind of adorable man and mm-hmm. that's how that whole show is i think they just give you like two or three moments out of every episode that are really fucking intense yeah and everything else is surrounded by like pitch black comedy you know yeah. it might be one of the greatest achievements 
ever. <laughs> like, no, any medium. No, no, fucking books, stories, like Gilgamesh, The Odyssey, Tales from the Crypt, like a very close third, man. <laughs> so The Sopranos, like, it's getting knocked out at third. Oh, point. dude, not even in the top 10 at this oh, point. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I would put like six Tales from the Crypt episodes right. in the top 10. So, yeah. and like Nothing. I said, Gilgamesh, The Odyssey, Inferno, Paradise Lost, then The Sopranos at number 12. You know what I mean? So, I'm glad you're loving it so much. What's your uh, what are your favorite apps so far? Um, I don't know, man. They're all fucking good. Like that's the thing; they're good for different reasons. So, cutting cards is like such a lean, mean fucking episode that you're like 20 minutes, man. They give you the premise, they give you backstory, they give you the stakes, and they give you two to three different scenes that are more unnerving than the previous one. All in 20 minutes. It's fucking amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have other things where, like, I, I made her watch the um, Joe Pesci twins one again. <laughs> which, split listen, personality. split personality. Yeah. Exactly. Not split second, which is another episode. That That is comedy fucking gold. Well, it is. But again, they set yeah. that up and it takes you, like, fucking eight, ten minutes before the twins even come into play. And yeah. that's what was, re- that was amazing, rewatching it. I don't remember any of the beginning where he's just like, you bet on it too. <laughs> you know, that scene, yeah. like, yeah. I didn't remember that shit at all, right? By the I, way, I think- as, as a gambler who does blackjack, you would never hit on a fucking 19 in your goddamn life. I was so offended, and I realized that they pay it off, okay? Right. But before yeah. I remembered the payoff, I was going to lose my shit, dude. <laughs> I was like, how dare you? This is the worst advice ever, Pesci. Right. Anyway, Pesci, he's a little bit of a con man. That's well established. And then we get to the twins of it all. But that's an episode where it's just like, okay. And then as soon as he meets these twins, it's all fucking comedy. Everything about it is just like really fucking funny. Mm -hmm. Then, like I said, three's a crowd, man, which is something I did not enjoy watching at all. And then you get to the last minute. And then I just remember being like, I need like five minutes till we watch another one, man. (laughs) That one fucked with my soul a little too much, you know? So I don't know. I don't have favorites. They're all just kind of great. Like what's what's cooking or what is that, that what it's called? What's cooking? That one's great. Also because Superman's in it. Meatloaf mm-hmm. gets chopped up like meatloaf. Yeah. Judd Nelson's playing a Judd Nelson type. <laughs> you know, so cannibal cook. That's that's his type. That seems yeah. that, that that dog that's hunts, right. as they say in the that's, South. That's you know? about right, yeah. Um, so yeah, but they're all fucking good, man. I don't know. I told my mom about that because I was just like, yeah, I told that story where dad was a piece of shit to me for three years. And I was a kid like mm-hmm. doing the crypt keeper laugh and shit. And she's laughing. Like, it's funny. Like it didn't cause emotional trauma. Like right. I'm not the like fucked up shit. human being that I am because of him, you know, uh, man, uh, all thanks to crypty, <laughs> all of your neurosis <laughs> and my abandonment issues. <laughs> like no, never mind my mom, never mind my actual parents, but my absentee father, the father yeah. I chose. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you've you've come around on it. I hope this has been a healing experience for you. That now that you see that Crypty is just a, a fabulous, you know, fucking corpse. Who uh, did that fucking puppet, man? Because that puppet is breathtaking, especially because it's an '80s puppet, man. I gotta remind myself that, like, holy shit, this is, I lost my breath. I don't think anyone in human history has ever called a puppet breathtaking. By the way. <laughs> 